Read now from uh, Matthew, which is one of the accounts of Jesus' life, and we're picking up in a part of uh, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, um, where he's speaking to many of his disciples uh, about what it looks like to live in his kingdom, and he's speaking on prayer. And so from verse 8 is where we'll pick this up. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to City Life for 2019. Uh, I hope you had a good year so far, or or the whole week of it. Um, But you have made it to City Life, so well done for the first year, uh, first time of the year. Uh, My name is Gav, I'm one of the pastors here. Great to have you along and do hope you enjoy your time being here with us. It's been a stressful morning, came in this morning, no ink in the printer, no paper, Ran home, no paper at home either. I have a colourful sermon. It's all like colourful papers. Anyway, we'll see how that goes today. Uh, my adrenaline's running. I got here. We're good. Anyway, so uh, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, this whole week and the last little while reading on prayer. I read a bunch of books on prayer and looking through them. And I'm just excited to share with you what I learned this week. Um, and uh, hopefully it's a benefit for you. If not, I've loved it. So um, it's going to be good. Looking forward to this series. Let's, let's, let's begin by talking to God in prayer. Father, in your word in Psalm 19, you say that your word is perfect, it revives our soul. It is sure, making wise the simple. It's right, it brings rejoicing to the heart. It's pure, enlightened the eyes. It's true and it's righteous. Lord, we beg, we ask this morning as we open your word, that would be true of us here today. We would see you, we would see your word, and it would show us more of who you are and who we are in light of you. Lord, teach us how to pray, we ask. Help us to look at the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his followers, and to learn what you want us to know, how to address you. So Lord, use me as your servant and help us to to, uh, fall back in love with praying, Lord. We ask it in King Jesus' name. Amen. Well, New Year's, uh, time for New Year's resolutions, right? Has anyone made any resolutions yet? Yeah, good. Over there, yeah. Walk a lot, right? Yeah, you're walking a lot. I saw it on Facebook, Rach, I noticed. Um, but uh, always, uh, there's always, you know, a popular one, get fit and healthy, right? Get fit and healthy. Anyone made that one yet? Yeah, good. I think I am too. I think I'm back on that bandwagon as well. I'm serious considering jumping back on the sugar plan. Look, I went a bit hard enjoying the Christmas season. And uh, I feel like the Christmas Gab said, it's fine. Now think about it. The New Year's Gab said, what have you been doing back there? So I feel like I've got to think about getting fitness, uh, fit and healthy again. But to be honest, I find fitness and health so boring. I find it very boring. I went 18 months of no sugar or no processed sugar in my diet, and I knew it was good for me, but the reason why I stopped was I just found it so boring. I was quite bored with it. I was sick of eating carrot sticks and dry roasted almonds all the time. Um, 
I knew it was good, but it was done purely out of duty. It's the same with exercise for me. I could play team sports all day long. I love that. But going to the gym or, or exercising for the sake of it is just, I find, quite boring and done out of duty. Recently, uh, a, f- a guy from, from 4pm, Cam and I, we signed up at a gym together. For, we did a month membership at, in Balmain. And I hadn't been in the gym for a long time, and he, he dragged me along. We had a few sessions together. I, I enjoyed it. The month finished, and then I said, look, I think I'm done. And, uh, and then, uh, then like, late, late last year, there was another membership came up uh, on one of those Groupon deals, really close, and I thought, oh, I'll give it another go. Uh, so I signed up, paid the month membership, and I went twice. And I hated myself for it. <laughs> and just that regret of paying and not going, I found it just a bore and such a chore. I'm sure I'm not alone with this. I'm sure a lot of us have gone out and got gym memberships, haven't used them, you know, got our new active wear, got our new running shoes, but have never, ever used them. Uh, we get bored and it becomes a chore and a duty, and so we stop. And I'm sure there are many things in life like this that we get uh, bored by, we give up. We know they're good for us, but for whatever reason, it becomes a duty. And I wonder if that's how you can feel about prayer sometimes. Uh, knowing we should pray, but we don't. And I'm sure if I, if I surveyed most people in this room here, you'd say, yeah, I want to pray more. I wish I could pray more. But we just, we just don't do it. Uh, and we feel guilty about that at, at times. And I'm sure uh, you're not alone, and I, I feel this way too. And this is why I'm really excited for this series over the next few weeks, um, uh, helping us to, to think about church, to grow, uh, sorry, think about us how to pray as a church and grow ourselves in praying. You know, one of the big things we actually want to focus on for the next three years is prayer. It's being a church, being a people that are more dependent on God in prayer. We want to help you and establish a daily habit of prayer. So over these few weeks, we're going to teach you uh, how to pray today is how to pray, like a model of prayer. And then after that, it's going to be how to pray for specific areas of your life, which I'm looking forward to as well. And our big hope is that prayer would move from a duty to a delight. That's, that's the hope we're going to try and get to here. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, best authors that I've read on this topic of prayer is a guy by the name of Edward McKendrick Bounds, or E.M. Bounds, who lived many hundreds of years ago. And you're going to hear a lot of quotes from this man today in my sermon and uh, uh, throughout this series. He wrote nine whole books on prayer. Nine whole books. Wow. And so we're going to look at what he says today about prayer, but he says this, first one. He says, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. And that's our hope. That's what we want to aim for, right? So that's what we want to try and do as a church. We delight in prayer, seeing it for what it is, and spending time with our great God in prayer daily. And so we're going to begin by looking at this idea of a model prayer um, and how to pray. We're going to look at the most, the most famous prayer, I think, in history that, that, that is there, is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and it's Jesus teaching his followers how to pray. We're going to work through this. We've got three sort of uh, points we're going to work through. And they're the principles of prayer, the pattern of prayer, and the pursuit of prayer. And they all run with P, so you're welcome. Principles, pattern, pursue. Principles, pattern, pursue. We're going to look at that today as we work through this. I so can remember that in your head. So we are looking at this Lord's Prayer. And Jacob said we find it in Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And it's always really important. We look at the passage that you understand the context of what's going on around what Jesus said. So you don't take a passage out of context. You look at what is going on. And this prayer comes on this famous um, teaching that Jesus gave, his first teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. It's almost Jesus' first sermon, if you want to call it that. And he's on, the, on this mount, uh, and he is, it's in Matthew chapter 5 to 7. And it's Jesus teaching his followers 
not how to become a follower of Him, but how to live out being a follower of Him. The difference there. It's not how to become a follower, it's how to live now as a follower. That's what He's going to try and teach His followers, to, to live out being part of His kingdom. And so we begin here, and, we, and uh, we read here, and Jesus assumes that His followers will pray. He says there, as you pray, not uh, if you want to pray or you should pray. He says, as you pray. So he assumes that followers of him will pray. And it's an assumption that he makes. And it's a right assumption. And it makes sense when you think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, we say it here every single week, there's no confusion. That being a follower of Jesus is about having a real relationship. The word's relationship there. A relationship with your creator. A living, personal, active, daily relationship. That's what Jesus came for. It's what he came to die for, to, to take away your sin, to, to restore this relationship that you were created for. On the cross, he takes away your sin, he makes you clean and holy so you can approach and have a real relationship with your creator. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you've trusted in the finished work of Christ on the cross, you have a relationship with your Father, Heavenly Father. And what does that mean? What does it mean to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father? What does it mean to have a relationship with anyone, Really? Well, you know, you communicate with them, uh, you talk to them, they talk to you, you listen to them, you spend time with them, you get to know them more. We all know that. Well, it's not that dissimilar with God, is it? You listen to Him through the Bible, or you spend time with Him in His Word, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you meet with His people at church here and you encourage each other to keep loving Him and following Him, because being a follower of Jesus is a community project. Uh, you get to know Him, growing in knowledge of Him, and you talk to Him. That's prayer. That's all prayer is, just talking to Him. And this is the Christian journey, the Christian life. Living out this relationship that has been purchased for you in Christ. But being a follower of Jesus is not just about believing a bunch of truths or only believing a bunch of truths. It's living those truths out. And that's having a real active relationship that needs fostering day by day. And just imagine... I'm married to my wife, Katie, and for 12 years now, just imagine that I never spoke to her, spent any time with her, listened to her. You could say, yeah, she's my wife, but what sort of relationship do we have, if any at all? Don't we often find ourselves treating God the same way sometimes? The great reformer and the father of evangelical faith, Martin Luther, says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is vital to our relationship we have been given through Christ. It's a personal relationship, and prayer is a relational activity. It's both a conversation and an encounter with God. Tim Keller, who wrote a book on prayer, writes this about prayer. Prayer is a personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. It's responding to God. I love this. We pray in response to God Himself, God as Father, Redeemer, Friend, King, Lord, Shepherd, and Lover of our souls. We respond to who He is. We respond by praying and talking and coming to Him as those things. That's what prayer is. And so Jesus assumes followers will pray. They will pray. But how are we to pray? Well, we get to this in chapter 6. You know, growing up, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian household at all. Uh, I hadn't stepped foot inside a church until I was 14 years old. Didn't really know what church was. But one thing that I clearly remember growing up was, in you know, starting from kindergarten at Putney School where I went to, they had scripture where they teach the Bible. So half an hour, for half an hour every week, a local older lady, Mrs. Piper, from the local church would come and she would teach our class about Jesus in the Bible. And I loved it. 
loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember uh, sitting in the class and always wanted to answer the questions. And I remember going home. My parents would not talk about anything about God or, or the Bible or Jesus at all. But this half an hour, one week, out of my whole week for half an hour, I enjoyed hearing about Jesus. And I'd want to get all the answers right. And she would give stickers to anyone who got the answers right. And the kid that got the most stickers in the, uh, by the end of the year got a Bible. And I wanted that Bible. Uh, it's the first time that my competitive edge was godly. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But it was great, right? I, I, I ran with that. <laughs> I, remember my, uh, I remember winning that Bible. And I remember in that class being taught the Lord's Prayer. We learned it by rote. And we'd say that loud together. And I remember going home each night and praying this as I went to sleep as a young kid. And uh, I remember not knowing what I was saying. I had no idea what hallowed mean. Something with Halloween maybe. I don't really know. Um, you know, your kingdom come. Daily bread? I didn't eat bread. Like, I, I didn't know what I was praying at all. Now, it wasn't a bad thing as a young kid to, to remember this prayer by rote, but I didn't know what I was saying to God. And I, I've seen uh, people before use the Lord's Prayer sometimes as a lo- lucky charm almost, or in a superstitious, superstitious way. When something goes really bad, wrong, wrong, they just start reciting the Lord's Prayer. Not a bad thing, but what does it actually mean? What is Jesus saying here? I think Jesus gives us some, some principles to think about this Lord's Prayer and what we actually are saying. And in sentences 5 to 8, Jesus sets up these principles. I'm going to show you this. Let me read it for you again. It says this. Jesus says, And when you pray, not if you, but when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, you followers of me, when you pray, you go into your room and you shut the door and you pray to your Father who's in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty, fra- uh, empty uh, phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. I love this. But for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Jesus teaches here that prayer is not about, about how you sound or what others think of you. It's about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus speaks strongly against those who speak out loud for others to come and say, how great are their prayers? Look at them pray. Look how many words they've got. And Jesus is saying, they are hypocrites because they've missed the whole point of prayer. They pray out loud, but yet they do not pray at home when they're by themselves. It sounds amazing, but it does not impress God. It's not, they've missed the point of prayer. He says, when you pray, you pray to your Father. You don't pray to others. You pray to your Father who hears and he knows. Hence why Jesus encouraged you to go and pray in secret. Prayer is a relational activity that Jesus purchased through his blood on the cross. The author, again, Tim Keller says this, You will know God will answer you when you call, because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit, so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. Our prayers are heard by our Father because of Christ on the cross for us. Therefore, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And I love that Jesus teaches. He says, your father already knows what you need. He already knows before you even ask. And he provides. And he'll care for you. And our public prayers are to be an overflow of our private prayers, Jesus teaches here. Now think about Jesus. He spent more time in private praying than he did in public praying. So Jesus encourages us to pray in private. And it's an invitation to take up, to meet with your creator, to talk to him. To pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father with all your failures and weariness and your brokenness. To cast all your anxieties on your Heavenly Father who knows what you need 
and he promises to give you a peace that transcends all understanding. E.M. Bounds puts it this way, prayer is the helpless and needy child crying out to the compassion of the father's heart and the bounty and power of a father's hand. That's such a good line. That's what prayer is. It's relational to your father, the needy child. I need you. Help me. I praise you. That's what prayer is. Jesus teaches here, it's not about what you sound, how you sound, it's about living in light of the cross. I love what uh, uh, Soren Kierkegaard says about prayer. He says, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Prayer is often about our own hearts. Us saying, we need you, God. I can't do this for myself. I need you. It's changing our hearts and remembering, remembering who he is and who we are in light of him. So Jesus sets out these principles of how we are to pray. What are we to pray? What are we to pray? This is the pattern of prayer that I want to move to. So let's have a look at what Jesus says from sentence 9. And we see straight away when Jesus says, pray like this, at the very start. He's not saying, pray these words. He's saying, pray like this. Pray like this. And he says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now I'm sure many of us have heard this prayer before uh, and know this prayer, may can recite this prayer, but I wonder how many of us this prayer has become too familiar and so it's lost its awe, it's lost its uniqueness. Most years on New Year's Eve, my wife, Katie, her family lived down in Balmain East, right down the end there. And so every year we head down there and spend time looking at the fireworks with her family because they're not far from these great views of the bridge. And uh, so for almost every year I can remember going down there at 9 p.m. and midnight and watching these fireworks. The thing is that I feel like I've just seen them. <laughs> I feel like I've seen them a lot now. And I, to be honest, I'm a little bored of them. This year, um, you know, I read in the media this year, they're going to be bigger and better than last year. They're going to have pastel colours. Wow, you know, I'm like, yeah, cool, you know. Anyway, so I, this year I got down there. I even found myself this year timing how long they go for. Like that's, and just thinking, when are these over? And uh, I remember, um, <laughs> I can I even caught myself this year talking to one of Katie's family friends and just saying how much I don't like them. Like being this really negative guy. I'm like, who have I become? You know, like, what's going on? Everyone's like clapping and cheering. I'm like, can we get out of here? Like, you know, it's, you know are, we, are we done yet? And uh, everyone's happy. And then I, it struck me, I was, talking to, I was talking to Heidi about this just the other day. And uh, they were here, they're here from America, and that was the first time their family has seen the fireworks. And I was saying, how amazing they are, how incredible the fireworks. We haven't seen it like it live. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, I just, I've become so familiar with them, become so negative about them. I've lost the awe and the, and the fun of fireworks and, and New Year's Eve. And I think it's the same thing when you become, when you, any experience you have that you have again and again and again, it can become quite, uh, you get used to it. You lose, it, you lose your awe, the awe and wonder and uniqueness of whatever that event is. And I wonder how much, for, for many of us, have we lost that at the Lord's Prayer? I love, again, what Tim Keller says on prayer, speaking of becoming too familiar with this prayer. He says this, the whole world is starving for spiritual experience. And Jesus gives us the means to it in a few words. And it's like Jesus is saying, uh, wouldn't, you want to, wouldn't you like to be able to come face to face with the Father and the King of the universe every day, to pour out your heart to Him and to sense Him who's listening and loving you? And we say, of course we do. Jesus responds, it's all in the Lord's Prayer. And we say, in what? It's so familiar, we can no longer hear it. Yet everything we need is within it. 
And I wonder if that's how you feel at the Lord's Prayer. That's what Jesus teaches here. What I want to do, I want to try and have this, this, the next few minutes, have a closer dive into the Lord's Prayer and to see what Jesus is trying to say to us. As followers, here's how we're to pray. Yeah, look at the first two words of this prayer. We're reminded straight away of, the, of this privilege. How does Jesus start? What does he say? He says, our Father. Our Father. He doesn't say you should start the prayer with dear sir or, or sovereign Lord and King. He says it's our Father. And this is to trigger us, to remind us that we're adopted as children of God. This is our Heavenly Dad. We have a full personal, intimate relationship with the king of the universe, a loving father who listens, listens to his child's needs, caring, and is concerned for them, our father. So when we start our prayers, we're to consider who we are as children of God, as a loving father, and asking God, as Martin Luther says, to implant in our heart a comforting trust in your fatherly love, our father. But notice the second two words, where is he? He's in heaven. His destination, that's where he is, in heaven. He's above all. He's the king and the ruler and the conquering king who sits on his throne, who's sovereign over all things. He's to be feared and worshipped. There's no one like him. So at the very beginning, Jesus is saying, he's both our father, who's intimate and close, but also the sovereign king of all things. So we pray, God is saying, know who you pray to. Know who you pray to. See, this is a privilege. You are praying to your father, who is in heaven, who has all power to answer you, but he's also your dad who is near and close. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And then, then, he, then he, Jesus rolls through six petitions. I'm going to roll through really quickly. Six petitions. And the first three are to do with God himself. Look on the screen. It says, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. All about God straight away. Jesus is teaching us here that our concerns are to be God's concerns. Not about our own, but to God's concerns, to God's desires. And our, as followers, we should have the same desires as he does, and our prayer should, prayer should reflect that. The first one, hallowed be your name. This is an idea of praising God as holy. You are holy, God. Hallowed be your name, and help us to honor you and treat you that way. Help you to be honored as king and your name to be hallowed, to follow, to worship, to be, to be called glorious. Your kingdom come. It's a call for God. Bring your kingdom to earth. Help many, many, many people. Help all people to come to know you and live in your kingdom to be saved and help us to live as kingdom people. Help all of our lives to be, to be given over to this kingdom. And we also have this sense of a yearning of your kingdom to come. That final day we'll see him face to face. Bring your justice. Bring your peace. We look forward to that day when your kingdom will rule over all things. Your will be done. This is a prayer to see people, uh, just, uh, for, for people, for us, to do his will no matter what. No matter what comes our way, God, help us to do your will. Suffering, goodness, whatever it is, help us to do your will. As it's done in heaven with joy. So Lord, give us strength to do this. Give us grace to do this. This is the way Jesus teaches us to pray at the beginning. So your prayers might sound like this. Let me give you an example. You might say, our Father in heaven, thank you that I can call you Father. Thank you that I'm your child. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, I can approach you. Uh, I ask that your name will be honored in my life and those around me. Bring your saving rule. Save many people. Save my neighbor. Save my brother. Save my friends, Lord. Uh, help me to do your will in my life. Grant me strength. Grant me grace. This is what Jesus is teaching us how to pray about his kingdom, his will, 
and his rule. And it's a relational thing. That's what Jesus is trying to show us. After these first three petitions, he moves to the second three petitions, which are about us recognizing our needs and we're reliant on God for all things. Sentence 11 to 13. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we've forgiven those who sin against us, and lead us not into temptation. Just give us today our daily bread. It's a recognizing that God is the gift giver, that we are in need of daily provision. We need Him every single day. And it's thanking Him for those provisions. God is not indifferent to your physical needs. If you, if you receiving food or, or having the strength to do something is not far beyond him. He's involved, he's intimate, he's sovereign in these little things as well. And Jesus is teaching us to depend on him for big things and small. Forgive us our sins or debts as we forgive those who are uh, uh, our debtors. This is a prayer of repentance, saying to God, I, I'm a sinful human being, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. Once and for all. This is not a, a, a recommitting uh, a prayer. This is a, repair, a sin of acknowledging your need for his grace day by day. It's saying, I, I'm a forgiven sinner. I'm declared innocent, but I'm also still sinful, and I need you. I need more of you every day. And it's saying to God, sorry for my rebellion. If we're in a relationship with someone, we offend them, we say sorry. It's the same with God. It's recognizing who we are and our need for his grace. And in light of that, Lord, help me to forgive others as I'm forgiven. This prayer of confession humbles us and reminds us we need His grace and we're going to show grace to other people. And then finally, lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer asking God that we would not give in to temptation, that we would not let sin get a foothold in our lives. And just as we need to depend on God for physical needs, for spiritual needs, we need grace and strength to say no to the world and yes to Him. Lead us away from the evil one, we ask the Lord. And this is the Lord's model prayer of what he's saying of how we're to pray. And Jesus isn't just providing us the words to say, rather, this is a mean to, to shape our hearts and help us to yearn for things that God yearns for and to see and experience more of God himself in our lives, in our hearts. So I just want to finish by encouraging you to finally pursue prayer. Pursue it. Go at it. Live out the relationship that Christ has brought you through his death on the cross. Live a prayerful life and experience this peace that comes with communing, being in partnership with your heavenly Father. You know, I think if and when we pray like Jesus taught us, our hearts and minds will align with God's plans and purposes. We'll enter the same joy he has, humility, dependent expectation, a trust in God's sovereign control, a freeing up of fears and worries. And he gives us a peace that transcends all understanding he promises. Prayer reminds us as who we are. We are, we, are, we are dependent children waiting on our Heavenly Father who loves us. Again, Ian Bounds says this, Prayer makes a godly person and puts within them the mind of Christ, the mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of pity and of prayer. If we really pray, we become more like God or else we will quit praying. Prayer grows and changes us. But what stops you from praying? What stops you from pursuing prayer? Maybe you feel too guilty. I've heard that before. I can't pray. I've done too much. Maybe we feel like the guy won't listen to us. He's not concerned with us. You know how people come and say, hey, as a pastor, can you pray for me? Like, you just pray for yourself. You don't need me. God calls his children to come and pray to him. Maybe you've tried before and got an answer. Maybe you think prayer doesn't work. 
Maybe you feel like you don't need to pray, don't need God. Maybe you feel like you're too busy to pray. I want to urge you, don't listen to your feelings or Satan or others around you, but listen to your Creator who calls you to come to Him. He purchased you through the blood of His Son to live out that relationship you have. Pray, talk to Him. You know, look at Jesus' life on earth. If you look at Jesus, if you look at carefully, he spent, he spent a lot of his time where people would come to him with needs and needs and, Lord, heal me, heal me, heal this person, heal my sick. Often Jesus would say no. And what he'd do, he'd withdraw and go and pray for overnight with his heavenly Father. He'd withdraw and pray and spend time with God. And if that's good enough for the Son of God to do that, how much more for us, right? How much more for us? God calls us to pray in all seasons, in all times, in all situations, good, bad, suffering, joyful, whatever it is, to keep praying and experience His grace. If you want to be a follower of Jesus who pursues His kingdom, pray. Like what Ian Bounds says here, he says, the people who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. So this year, let's pray. Pray big prayers, small prayers, pray courageously with a large imagination. Ask God for anything and everything. Bring your questions, your frustrations, your dreams, your aspirations to Him. God is interested in the big things and the small things. You can do nothing without Him. He cares about your Monday mornings. He cares about changing the dirty nappies. He cares about your time at work. He cares about the time with your kids. He's concerned with your heart. He cares about your random conversation with your friend, your sleep tonight, your month's budget. He cares about all of it, everything. Don't be afraid to pray. Big prayers and small prayers. And persist at it. Keep praying. Jesus upholds a persistent widow who prays and prays and, and seeks, this, the, seeks the, uh, the, the judge. Jesus upholds her. I'm so sure as you do this, as you pray and persist in prayer, prayer will move from a duty to a delight. And I want to encourage us as a church to pray. Come early to church. We run prayer here every, every uh, before 11 and 4 o'clock. Come and pray with us. Come to our prayer and praise in a few weeks. Pray for one another. Ask people, how can I be praying for you? And then pray for them and let them know you prayed. I know you. When someone texts me and says, hey, I just prayed for you this morning, I feel so encouraged by that. Be that person. Pray. Let them know you prayed. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the elders. Pray for me. Ask me how my prayer life is going. Let's be a church that is dependent on our Heavenly Father, humbly recognizing it's His church. And we need more of Him. My last quote from Ian Bounds to finish up, it says this, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better people. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not come on machinery, but on people. He doesn't anoint plans, but people, people of prayer. Let's be a people and a church who pray in 2019 and beyond. Right now, I'm going to invite Rob, one of the elders up, to come pray and to model that prayer for us that we heard in the Lord's Prayer. Thanks, Rob. Please uh, pray with me. Father, some of us may be um, yeah, experiencing difficulty praying to you. It might be a struggle with what to say or because we've experienced uh, painful hardship or because we feel alone and struggle to believe that you're there. Father, give us the assurance to know your presence. Help us, help us to feel your fatherhood. Give us the perseverance when it's hard to establish patterns of prayer and the patience to wait even when we feel like prayer has gone unanswered. Father, hallowed be your name. You are the eternal and the powerful creator and sustainer of the universe.
From the vast galaxies and laws of nature down to the smallest atom, there is none like you. Words aren't even sufficient to describe you. Father, make your name great. May your name be treasured and trusted and obeyed. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, continue your work to build your kingdom, a family of people from all places and walks of life under the lordship of King Jesus. Be changing our hearts that we would submit to your word and rule, that your priorities would become our priorities. And please work through City Light, your church, to save souls. Father, give us today our daily bread. You know us better than we even know ourselves. You know what we need to live, a life that is pleasing to you. And we have to rely on you for everything. So give us what we need for today. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, we know that we are sinners and we don't recognize you as the king that you are. And we want your creation more than we want you. Lord, please forgive us of when we think we know better, when we don't recognize you as God, when we pursue study or career or wealth or experience or status with a deeper yearning than we do pursue relationship with you. And when we fail to love our neighbor, our mission or community member, our family, our colleague, thank you for the blood of Jesus that's paid the price for our sin and help us to turn and show grace and forgiveness to others out of the grace and forgiveness you've shown us. And finally, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, our sin has been fully paid in Jesus, but we don't want to keep sinning. Keep us from temptation that overpowers And by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to break free from even patterns of sin that have gripped us and protect us, protect our hearts from Satan, from his lies and his accusations and deceit. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to take a a minute now to fill in these uh, white cards you'll find in your seat.